Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash Nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution. Brought to you by GhostBed.com. Yes, welcome to Ross Patterson Revolution. Jesse Wiseman isn't here today because she might be dead. She might have the coronavirus, which would not be shocking considering all the homelessness we've seen in Los Angeles. And you know she loves to play with homeless people in her spare time. Today, we have special guest Matt Belinsky, who is a uh, purveyor of taste in Hollywood, if you will. Um, you kind of know all the inside shit that's going on here. Yeah, I've got my arms wrapped around a lot around Los Angeles. Why, why is that? Just because you enjoy it? What do you do for a living? I'm an attorney, first and foremost, but I'm also pretty involved in the startup world, which is actually, believe it or not, pretty thriving in LA. You know, investor advisor, um, and that kind of creeps into internet shit talker, started doing some content. So, you know, do a little media, do a little startup, do a little law. And uh, I don't know, born and raised here. Uh, 
have always been gratuitously, you know, over networked. Mm -hmm. And uh, for better, you know, I appreciate the old school Hollywood stuff, but I also kind of, you know, know the shitty, uh, the shitty, the city is shifting. And, um, you know, well, it's shitty. Move. It's, it's, I'm finding some warts, man. About 17 years in here in my adult life, I'm like, oh, God. Um, so I've just made sure to, to look under every nook and cranny in town and see what's up. Yeah. When I was uh, moving out of here, Silicon Beach is what they were calling it as far as like the tech world goes. Mm-hmm. Um, down there. Is that where everything is going on tech wise still? Kind of in that like south of Marina del Rey and all that shit? Primarily, yeah. Um, early, I'd say, you know, late by 2009, 2010, the it, San Francisco had always been, it just everyone assumed anything tech, you know, on the tech, in the tech world on the West Coast was mm-hmm. going on in San Francisco. But there's a lot of smart people in LA, believe it or not. They're just not always the loudest people. So some of them started gravitating towards the tech world. It did start springing up in Venice primarily. Um, and then a couple in, you know, MySpace was the first LA, it was considered the LA tech company, but it was very evident of, of LA's tech that MySpace ended up failing because the engineering was bad. Like, right. So it was like, okay, LA just doesn't have the engineers and the technical know-how to compete with Silicon Valley. But that slowly but surely, you know, evolved over the past 10 years as a lot of, you know, a lot of young, smart people who otherwise would have gone into the entertainment, traditional film and television industry, like, nah, I want to go, you know, chase the pot of gold in the tech world. Um, and so it's still mostly in Venice and that area. And then some of the bigger tech companies that were coming down here because they shifted a lot to video. Um, they found space in Marina Del Rey. Um, but as it just out the tech world in L.A. outgrew that mm-hmm. area because it's still gentrifying, you actually have a lot right around here that they moved to some of the um, revitalization of East Hollywood. And, you know, and, and uh, Viacom opened up a big office here. Uh, Noya House is, is kind of tech oriented and a, a lot of the startups that scaled a bit and needed some more space gravitated towards East Hollywood a bit. Now you mentioned MySpace. I, I assume they failed because Tom never changed his profile picture. No, that's, that's def- that was the first domino to fall with that. They were like, listen, we got to see this guy stuck in 2003. What is this still, Friendster? I mean, who even knows? You know, we needed to see some uh, leadership comes from the top, right? So we needed to see Tom you know, expand his interests a little bit. And stop giving a thumbs up, the um, thumbs more up. importantly. I, dude, have you, have you been to MySpace recently? It's like a fucking graveyard for, like, EDM, where you go there, and it's, there's still a lot of Daft Punk on people's homepages <laughs> and shit. Like, I popped it open just to see what the whole sitch was like. Sure. It feels like some creepy horror film of, like, an old tech world where you're like, oh, there's kind of a, a few words scrawled out of, like, oh, I had to drink too much cranberry juice last night to get rid of that. And you're like, all right, cool, man. Um, yeah, people used to say whatever they wanted on there. Mm-hmm. You had a catchy song that started off your page. And, uh, and then it all went to shit. I know Justin Timberlake bought a part of it and tried to convert it into a music uh, platform. And that failed miserably. Yeah. So after, you know, the, the, the story with MySpace is more or less this. Um, you know, they sold early. They sold to Fox. And the history of big media companies buying tech companies so that the M&A, the M&A track record is not, not pretty. It usually doesn't work, but it could have worked. But what, one of the, you know, what seemed to fell MySpace is that, and it turns out they did build it on bad tech. So you remember, I don't know if you remember, 2005, people start screwing around with their page, ma- making it look all pretty. Everyone's like, this is great. This is cool. Yeah. By 2007, they had layered so much garbage on top of the tech. It took four p- minutes for a page to load. Right? Yeah, there it was like rape clown images and shit that would pop up. Yeah, that was very Pennywise. Spammed. It got spammed yeah. between spam and the underlying tech not being able to support all the design and creativity on the pages. It just it became a bad user experience. Um, and Facebook, you know, for better or for worse, they took a slower approach, which everyone forgets. They a lot they were getting criticized. They're like because they were keeping it to one verified identities and two they slow rolled it from college students only and then opened it up slowly but surely so everyone had to verify email addresses and it turned out to be the right strategy the the you know the the, tor- the tortoise beat the hare um and you know and myspace it put put myspace in an early graveyard and then yeah a few attempts to to reboot it saying hey we've got all this user data we've got a cool uh we still have a name that that has you know some visibility um and just whoever i i've seen tech turnarounds and platform turnarounds but myspace just wasn't it and, you know, I'm sure Timberlake said, I'm, oh, I'm going to go put 25 hours a week into this thing. And then when it started up, he's got all these other things. He only got 24 hours in the day. Right. Timberlake's not going to put that much time towards his MySpace. Whenever thing. I see fucking celebrities go into all of like 90 business ventures, like Kevin Hart. Sure. Like, I, I love Kevin Hart and I actually owe the world to him. 
he was the one who convinced me personally to start writing. Awesome. Um, and he's an inspirational guy, and he's amazing. Problem is, when I see him now, and I was watching his Netflix uh, documentary um, that aired maybe about six months ago, when you see somebody doing a million things, you know they can only give that maybe one hour of time a Absolutely. week. So you've got to have a huge machine behind you to make all this content and make it go. And you're like, man, how much time can you really fucking put into this shit? Same with Justin Timberlake. When I saw that he had, I, I want to say it was maybe three or four million dollars he put into MySpace and was going to be like their new, you know, sure. brand also could manager have been a, or whatever uh, the fuck it is. Uh, a fund that wanted to put Justin Timberlake's name on it was actually financing it and said, hey, we'll, we'll filter this investment through Timberlake. You don't have to put your own Is money that what in. it was? I'm 99% sure. <laughs> it happens I all the time. I knew it. Yeah. But when you see that, you're like, all right, sweet. What's he going to show up for one meeting a week? Um, yeah. Maybe through Skype or, you know? Totally. And it's something that I deal with a lot. You know, one, one area that I work on a lot uh, in my law career is um, merchant influencer celebrity backed merchandise lines. Mm -hmm. You see some, you know, the Kylie Cosmetics of the world or, you know, uh, another client of mine. You know, Chris Faff, you might be familiar with Young and Reckless that spun off of uh, Rob Dyrdek's show Fantasy Factor on yeah, MTV. Yeah, yeah. You got some successes like that. And when you think about it, every time someone matches a well-known celebrity who has a following with a product that makes any sense at all, if the product doesn't make sense, that's one thing. But if the sure. product makes sense, you're thinking, all right, this person goes and pushes it, you're going to start, you know, seeing dollar signs everywhere. And a lot of them succeed, but a lot of them don't. And one of the, you know, the, when I'm trying to counsel these clients on, to say, is this person ready to dedicate themselves for two, three years to making this work? Right. Or is this going to be a side project where they post a couple times for over a couple months, expect all, you know, and then expect uh, someone to come and buy them for $50 million. And that's it. At some point, it's just a matter of, can this person put enough time, like pure elbow grease into this project? And if they do, this will succeed. And if they don't, it will not. It's the same way in the podcast world. Cause look, Dan and I own a media company. We got about eight shows underneath our uh, shingle right now. And it's one of those things where we've met with, you know, 50 other fucking podcast hosts or people who potentially want a podcast, but they don't want to put the time into it. Sure. Um, of, of what it takes. Cause like it or not, it, it is a craft. Um, you have to be consistent. You can't miss. And everybody typically has an excuse for something of like, Oh, well, you know, I had this thing with my grandmother and she's, you know, biking to Fucking grandma's. Whatever the fuck it is, right? Yeah. And you're like, I, I can't hear the rest of your sentence. I just check out. It's just a bunch of words at the end after that. Like, if it's something you really want to do, you'll fucking do it. Same with merchandising and everything else. Um, yeah, absolutely. But the issue is, is, is people's laziness uh, to it. And there's a lot of things that, you know, can't correct that no matter what you do. Absolutely. Who's one of your most successful clients that, would be a great model for somebody out there. Um, a guy named David Dobrik, who's just tearing it up, a young guy who's a content creator right now. And, you know, if Is he a podcast? He, he doesn't have a podcast directly. Well, Views? He, he goes, a lot, uh, he goes a, on a lot with a, another client of mine named Jason Nash, who has mm -hmm. a very successful podcast. And Jason and David um, are, are known, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're known as a tandem, but Jason's more of the audio guy. Um, but these are guys who, you know, David, you've got all these, these Instagram influencers um, who a lot of them, it, it got crowded in the, let's call it three to seven million follower range. Mm -hmm. But then David really hit, you know, escape velocity and he's, he's the A plus list right now. And the guy just pumps out content. His relationship with his fans is just preternational, you know, natural. Um, and he he's loves making content. He's got a big following too, right? Massive. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. It covers two channels. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Jason, Jason does great. He's also in, in that, you know, that upper echelon and does great, great work in the, the audio world. And you know, David's a younger guy. Jason's a little bit older, you know, depending on, you know, some, yes, David's content for, for some listeners may be a little youth oriented, mm -hmm. um, but the, and the under 27s love him. Um, and those are guys who are really doing a great job in the content world right now. Gotcha. And what do you do for him exactly? Are you an entertainment lawyer? Um, it, that becomes a gray area in this day and age because one, because I do focus a lot more on the businesses built off these people. So sure, you know, if they've got a brand deal coming in and hey, I'm going to go do, uh, um, I, 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 well, it used to be a lot of travel stuff. Could it be the Coachella to, and the Super Bowl uh, event and whatnot? Right. And the brand's going to pay you, you know, X amount of dollars and fly you out and do content. Now it's obviously more remote stuff, but. I'll, I'll do brand deals. Um, if they are doing more, you know, some script the, on the off chance, they do some scripted content, which is not often these days. And why do it? 
Um, all well, nothing know. is, man. I mean, yeah. In in the world of COVID, especially in LA, mm-hmm. uh, we keep trying to tell the audience this: like everything is shut down. You're not going to see your favorite shows on Netflix and Hulu and shit for a while. Oh, you you. Uh, there was a bunch of great data released from Netflix last in their earnings report last week, and it was something like their free cash flow went from maybe like negative from over year to year went like negative 800 million to positive 800 million yeah. you want to know why because they're spending a lot of money making content yeah not a little money a lot a of lot. money yeah. yeah and so obviously that was still a net plus from for them that they want to build up this ma- and that's the thing that's been going on in hollywood the last four or five years that you have these streaming services that need to that like okay the, the famous line is from uh uh a, you know, from a Netflix executive is like, this is six, seven years ago. We need to become HBO before HBO becomes us. That obviously means HBO has got all the content, mm-hmm. but they don't have the distribution. We have all the distribution, but we don't have any content. So once the HBOs and the studios realize, wait a second, we're giving Netflix these great deals, which they were, yeah. and letting Netflix build, build this big business off them, they're going to go do their own thing and create their own streaming services. By the time we, they do that, we need to have our own library. We, ha- we have to go make up for 70 years of not producing content. So that's what they've been doing. Yeah. They have, ma- I mean, none of these loans come due for the, till about 2027. They have massive, massive loans for, produ- uh, for production and that, that, and they're producing all over the world. So it's they've been building the billions of dollars. Eh? Oh, tens of billions. Yeah. Tens. It's a, it has been an arms race between Netflix, Apple, Hulu, Amazon, and it's been if you're a con if you, if you're a content creator, a writer, producer, actor, it's been a good time the last few years. If you're willing to do more projects that they you're not going to get the twenty million dollar payday anymore, right? But you can do a lot of projects and and be in high demand, and that's mm-hmm. what's been happening the last few years. Yeah, and you know to your point about being seven years behind, that's what I feel is happening with Amazon, uh, Apple TV, um, even Hulu to a certain extent where. Hulu just it used to be just like hey it's old reruns of shows congratulations you can watch it for free and sure. uh, we might have the occasional independent film on here uh, there's going to be a few commercials and that's it um, now they're doing original programming obviously the the Handmaid's Tale was fucking huge for those guys yeah um, but then it, it seemed like to me they kind of ran out of cool original shit mm-hmm. and then they got saved by FX where yep. Dave was on there so you take Dave for FX. That was the highest rated comedy in the history of FX this year, which is great. It's my favorite show. It's great. They, it was, they're terrific. It was about 4.8 million uh, average viewers per episode. Only 200,000 of them, 212,000 to be exact, were watching on FX. All the rest of them were, were watching on Hulu, and they were yeah. like, oh, shit. Um, how far do you think into the future it is that FX will be bought out buy Hulu or somebody else. I know Disney owns them now, but what happens to the TV studio side of it, I wonder? Yeah, I mean, it could... People have been predicting that death for a while now. Uh, I think p- people forget the big companies move a lot slower than ration, you know, than reason would dictate, right? So Apple they, being one of them. They, a- absolutely. They should have bought Netflix years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because right now they're they're trying to do original content, and it all fucking sucks. The original people think doing content is easier than it is. It is and not. It was it, it Netflix. First of all, I don't personally gravitate towards much if any original content on Netflix. But hey, I'm not the only person they're trying to get to watch. So it's clearly resonating. And Netflix has done a phenomenal job, uh, imperfect but phenomenal. And some of these other companies have realized, like, hey, we you know even going and poaching executives from. You know, the traditional media world, just going and inserting them and writing them a big check doesn't necessarily, you know, does, doesn't necessarily equal magic. Right. Um, so it, it's very difficult. Um, the, cable, the cable channel. Okay. So in law school, I had a professor named Ken Ziffrin. Ken Ziffrin was, he's the guy. You want to talk about, he's every big television deal that you heard about, you know, over the past 30 years, he, he did. I mean, he would tell mm-hmm. me about the negotiations between the NFL and Fox. Uh, when Fox poached the NFL in right. you know, 92 or 93 from, uh, from CBS. And he remembers when, you know, sitting at the table with Jerry Jones and when Fox pushed the, the, uh, the, dollar, the dollar figure on the offer across the table, he was like, Jerry Jones nearly levitated. Yeah. So, like, he's seen all this shit. Um, and he would just tell us about how, look at the finances of these cable stations. They're cash cows because they're making both advertising dollars and subscription fees, mm-hmm. okay? And it's just the, the, the margins are insane. Um, but that's been slowly corroded. 
Um, you know, and yeah, look today in Hollywood Reporter, I think it was they were saying that the death of cable TV. Yeah, had because, that one teed up. I haven't read that entire piece yet, but it, that looks super interesting. Yeah, so I mean, like, I, you know, I was reading it this morning, and um, the numbers are garbage, and they have been for a while. Yeah, like I remember pitching Adult Swim a show maybe seven or eight months ago, and you know they were like, "Look, if you get three hundred thousand viewers, it's a hit." And I was like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> um because this this show has got five times yeah. that in one fucking day than that on an on adult swim absolutely what's the reasoning to go there anymore what's the reasoning to go to cable anymore um it's financially sure. uh, when you can get on a podcast and do whatever the fuck you want um yeah it's just that's what it, i'm struggling with these days it's a lot of consumer habits from people who are older and they don't you know you can still you've still got generations of people that do not naturally gravitate to the internet or podcasts or, or anything. And, you know, they're still making, I mean, from what I've gathered, they're still making CSIs. They're still making money off CSIs. They are. Uh, look, yeah. th- those primetime shows, because I, I don't consider them cable, by the way, anything within the big four. Um, I think that shit will always have an audience where it's like, hey, man, Hawaii Five O has been on for 80 years on, on sure. Friday night, right? I've not seen an episode beyond the pilot, but no I do chance. know it exists. I, I look at the ratings and I see the numbers are great and congratulations. Blue Bloods. <laughs> the fucking show's been on for 90 years and it's, you know, congratulations. That's awesome. And sure. my, my parents love it. Um, but I don't, I don't watch that shit. But there is an older audience that I think, I think that primetime network will probably live for another, another 10 to 15 years before mm-hmm. that gets phased out. But uh, the cable networks like FX, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central. What do you do with Comedy Central now? I mean, they've, they've tried to get in a podcast. They've tried to do, you know, clips online. They were one of the, the very first uh, studios that signed on with, with Spotify sure. to show, like, 10, 15-minute videos. Uh, you know, it started with clips from The Daily Show and shit like that and kind of uh, evolved, and then it kind of imploded after that. Yeah. Rogan is the one that's pulling them out of that, and uh, they're going to do video again. But uh, what do these cable networks do? Because they're just not drawing any ratings whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, they, it, it's strange the cable business is in some, the, the, the whole supports the sum, it supports each piece of the sum, right? And that, you know, people are, pay, you're paying for a package, right? Um, and so you, for years now, you know, they'd say ESPN is keeping 30 different cable channels in business. Just because the subscriber fees for ESPN are so high, it's, it's being amortized across the rest of the cable package and people keep on buying cable and all these other stations that nobody fucking watches keep on getting you know uh, our, people keep on buying the packages involving them because of espn well it's it's still live sports and yeah and i think that's the, that's the difference between that and any other scripted show right without a doubt i have i still have cable i haven't cut the cord same the only reason is because of live sports where mm-hmm. it is simply easier to go from channel to channel to channel find the sports that i want to watch live as, as opposed to going to 90 different apps on my roku yeah Absolutely. Well, you know, another company that I was pretty involved in um, was a very successful streaming service called Pluto TV. It was bought by, if you want to talk about one of the few successes of a big media company buying a tech company, this is one of the few. If Viacom went and bought, this is the perfect timing. It was simply, Pluto was essentially grabbed all the video that you see all over the internet that you can usually only find via someone sharing it on social media or, you know, a website you go to that's, that's very video on demand. Mm-hmm. They gathered it all up. And they programmed it like traditional television. So you have channels, you have programming 24 hours scheduled. They said, we're just going to create a free version of television that doesn't maybe have A-list content like you're going to find on your cable, your cable package that you're paying $230 a month for, but you're going to be getting almost as good content and you're going to pay zero. Um, and so that, you know, that, that fit that thesis that, that we're talking about right now. But of course, the one distinguishing factor is no lives when we had deals with the nfl with with major league soccer we had a lot of sports deals but it's all for library stuff it's right. all for all archive content not any of the live stuff exactly yeah. and then the jump to go from that to licensing uh first run live sports is so massive it's not even it, it, there's there's no question we knew we were going to sell before we even started approaching that range like even there's a point at which the company was faced with either okay Time to go raise $80 million and really go for a moonshot mm-hmm. or go sell to a big company. But right. either, would have, either would have worked. It was like, you know, either was a good option. But the, yeah, there, we weren't that far away from maybe licensing some pretty recently run cable st- shows, but we weren't even close to licensing sports. Right. And so that really is the distinguishing factor. 
Got it. Got it. And with Pluto TV, and you said it's almost like its own, uh, you know, network essentially, right? Sure. It's, well, it, it's running all day. It's, it's what its they, own. What, what content are they running? Um, good on stuff, there to man. Do it? Good stuff. I mean, first of all, you know, live news. So all okay. the news, all the news stations. Um, movie channels, you know, you won't get movies from the 2010s, but you'll get all the best movies from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And are, are they paying a, a licensing deal for those films? They, you know, at first we were doing just rev shares, and we, as I'm saying, we got some pretty good content on just a rev share. Just okay. like, hey, let's see, you're already giving this stuff away. It's already available somewhere. Let's see what we can cook up here, and, you know, we'll split, we'll, after some deductions, we'll split it. And then, yeah, as we got some more recent stuff, some, 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 higher profile studio films you start to get into some some licensing fees but i didn't see many big multi-million dollar licensing fees and we got some really quality stuff um you know and that that also you've got uh like batman still under warner brothers but the james bond movies are very unique in that they had they're they're owned by a private company right so you got to do a different deal with them but or we do uh with some of the cable networks pretty recent cable television lifestyle programming like a lot of hgtv we had all uh Bourdain's. that shit still crushes dude it does really Every well housewife in america watches it. absolutely and like, it's one thing when it's on like i'm not even pissed off about it where i'm like <laughs> all right cool man hgtv like i'll get down on that i'll get down on like million dollar listing on bravo mm-hmm. and all that other shit and uh yeah i'm i'm fine with that the food networks man yeah, those goddamn things are a cash cow. Absolutely, um, and you can build great brands off. Of them. Yeah, yeah. As long as you have a good personality, without uh, a doubt. But you know, hey, usually they won't make, they won't they won't be the ones. You know, there's all those chefs out there trying to become media personalities, so they yeah. probably won't make it to that point unless they've been uh, filtered a little bit for you know for the on camera. You know, when everyone's got to fill it out, you got your Bobby Flays, you got your uh, Guy Fieri's, so something for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get some sponsors who pay for this fucking show to be on the air. Um, and then I, I want to ask you about Quibi after sure. this, because um, that's been a, just a goddamn disaster. Uh, first and foremost, ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. 30% off if you were a military, a member of the military, a first responder, a teacher, or you work in the government, they're giving you 30% off of everything in the entire store. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. If you're a regular dumb dumb civilian like myself, uh, you can get 25% off everything. And if you order a mattress, you get two free pillows. As always, they got the 36 month page you go program. No interest on that. So all the deals that I just mentioned are still applicable with those. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today and get on it. Next up, we got strikeforceenergy.com. Strikeforce Energy is uh, the premier energy drink in the space, in my opinion. Look, I've been drinking this shit for four and a half years, so uh, y- you know me. I'm all hy- hyped up on this shit every goddamn day. Uh, four amazing flavors, grape, original, lemon, and orange. Uh, tasty, tiny little 10 pouch. You squeeze it open and rip it into any liquid available, and you're good to go. Go to StrikeforceEnergy.com today. Promo code REVOLUTION, 20% off. They ship everywhere in the entire world, and uh, there's no carbs and sugars in it, so you're good to go for the quarantine. This is, this is the worst I've looked throughout the goddamn quarantine. I'm going to be reals with you. Uh, last but not least, uh, Postmates. Postmates, kids. Uh, look, you know them. You love them. That's all we use out here in Los Angeles. Dan just had something delivered by bike. Um, he had fucking Postmates delivered by a bike in L.A., uh, if you haven't seen the streets of Los Angeles recently, I would not do that if I were them. So go to Postmates, support these guys because they're out there putting their lives on the line on these fucking bikes, riding through the homeless. Um, Revolution is the promo code that'll give you a hundred dollars off in free delivery fees. Uh, all you have to do is go to the Postmates app, download it, type in the promo code Revolution, a hundred dollars off in free delivery fees. It's uh, that's great. That's the only thing that jacks up the price there. It's the fucking delivery fees. Now you just order the food and congratulations. You get it for free. Well, the delivery fees at least. Uh, the food will be the same price. Revolution at Postmates. Um, let's talk about Quibi. Yep. Um, why? Why do they do this? Uh, why do they go during the COVID? Why do they go strictly mobile? Why do they do any of it? You know, the man is, is a legend in this town, but every, you know, Tell everyone runs out again. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yep. And he's done amazing things. He was the right man. He was a revolutionary, you know, during a prior era of media. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm sorry, Jeffrey, that era's over, man. This was the last cry of the boomers. Um, in that era, bigger, 
bigger work, scale work, throwing money at stuff worked, and they tried to recreate it in a democratized, more iterative environment, and mm -hmm. it did not work. Um, sure, there were some conditional factors like COVID. Everyone thinks that maybe COVID would be, be a, a better environment to release Quibian, but no, because Quibi was specifically constructed for people on the go. Right. And all of a sudden, nobody's on the go. No. No, nobody. But the whole lot, you, you could but see. But it's mobile, right? And when you're out of content during a quarantine like we are today, one would think, hey, man, that's still an okay time to launch because you're just going to be fucking around on your phone anyways. You'd think, but the other problem, it also, it was, it, it, it was too clustered. It was too, uh, 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 it was too saturated. Okay, look what Netflix did. They, threw, they, they focused on one show, mm -hmm. House of Cards. It drew an audience. It, got, it gained buzz. And then that kind of set lit a fuse for the rest of their original content. It still does it. It's trying to create um, tentpole programming and draw a lot of attention to very few particular shows, Narcos, or what have you, right? Um, Kubi comes along, and I looked at some of their shows, and I'm like, this is pretty fucking interesting. Right. But if you fucking go release them all at the same time, you don't allow any of them to build an audience. People have to discover stuff. Everything else is, is you know, it, it gets too busy. Um, and, and, you know, if you're going to go release all this content simultaneously, how do you allow anyone to, to navigate it, to go find shows, to create some buzz, some, you, you, people were, the media, entertainment media was talking about House of Cards for a year before they launched any other original programming. You know, it's, it, you've, the tech world, the tech environment, the digital world, you release, you iterate, you release, you iterate, you do it step by step, not this baby boomer, 1990s media Get, raise as much money as possible, hire the most expensive piece, people as possible, and go scale and throw everything up against the wall. And that's what they did. It's almost like too perfect an allegory for the, you know, out of date baby boomer approach falling flat in uh, an environment that does not accommodate it. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at some of their programming, and, uh, you know, I'm no fan of Chrissy Teigen on the show. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, I fucking hate her it's the worst and uh and john legend um is, is just a snooze fest to me but um you know she had a show where she was a judge uh i, I tried to watch maybe five minutes of that yeah and it was only 10 minutes and i couldn't get through <laughs> 10 minutes and it was only a, um you know a 10 minute show i i thought that was a disaster uh the rest of them like you know they tried to bring back punked on there mm -hmm. um with chance the rapper uh and some other things and it, i don't know all of it just felt forced and weird and um it was not a yeah. surprise to me that that it failed um i've got a, some friends of ours who are directing or su they were supposed to direct some some new shit for them and it, uh -huh. it already went dark like yeah they just said hey we're pulling the production well it's just also when you go raise 1.8 billion dollars right off the bat do you have any idea how successful you have to be to succeed you don't want to set the bar that high for yourself and that's what they did like You'd like to believe, like, hey, if I create a, a million, a billion and a half dollar company, that that's a success. Had they done that, which they didn't and will not, right? They're still losing money, yeah, right. So, like, it, it, it just, I don't. It's felt ill conceived from the start. It's like Jeffrey, if your if your thesis is one, we need, is that we need to produce more high end, you know, elaborate content, but in a structure that makes more sense for people on the go who are quote unquote consuming content in quick bites, i.e., Quibi. If that's your thesis, go do five shows and go start off. Go raise $75 million. Don't go buy the most expensive offices and go hire everyone. Go do five shows and well, let's roll it out. Well, that was the old model, and that's what they used to do. Yeah, but also— you know, Now they don't do that anymore. So I, but a lot of these old executives, and like, you know, I, I sold a TV show to, to Sony, and um, it got pushed because of COVID. Everybody's familiar with that on the show. Um, but it was one of those things where— the conversations I, I kept having with these guys over and over again, everyone's still stuck in that old model of like, hey, man, man, we can still get the huge budget. We can still do all the huge things and have the expenses and the lunches and all that shit. And it's like, man, that world is, is not working anymore. So if you can get it, congratulations. And that's what it felt like to me with, with them, where it was just like, hey, man, this might be the last big deal we get like that. So why not just enjoy it? Because... Fuck it. It's not our money anyways, and if it bombs, it bombs. It is the, the last ride of the baby boomers, man. Yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg. And Meg Whitman, where'd that come from? Never run a content company before in her life? Like, no. Of all the... It's just... It, it, she was running for 
Governor. Governor. Did she run for president as well? I'm she not sure. She ran for president, yeah. Okay. But uh, she was governor of... Uh... No, she's running for governor of California, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, much respect to Meg. Had a successful career. I mean, a lot of people disparage her performance at Ulick Packard, but hey, she became the CEO. That's no easy she's task. She's a fucking billionaire. Yeah, yeah she's she great. She's got yeah. an incredible career. And then she wanted to hop on in on like redefining, you know, video content with Jeffrey Katzenberg as her last hurrah. Just why not? The Obamas did it. I mean, <laughs> they got a fucking they got a podcast on Spotify. They signed yeah. a multi million dollar deal with Netflix to produce documentaries and contents. The Becoming was the first one. That's uh-huh. uh, behind the scenes look at Michelle Obama's book and all that other shit. Which I watched. It, you know, it's a softball piece where sure. it kind of felt very PBS. Uh-huh. But whatever. They're in the entertainment space, and you know, Michelle Obama's now. Got this podcast that they're promoting everywhere, it seems like. Um, it's one of those things where I, I think where every actor wants to become a rock star. Mm-hmm. I think every politician wants to become a, a movie producer or uh, some form of personality. And definitely, you know, am- and it doesn't always work out. It totally. doesn't always work out. But uh, uh, speaking of behind the scenes with uh, movie personalities and shit like that, sure. I, w- I want to go, go hard Epstein with you here. Okay. Um, There's only one way. Yeah, there is, right? Yeah. So Ghislaine's arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, does she live out this term? Yes. Yeah, you I think, think so. She, you think she does? Because right now they got it down for July twelfth, twenty twenty one, for this uh, uh, trial to start. Yeah. You think she makes it all the way to July? I think now that so many people are expecting mm-hmm. her not to, that she's going to. I think that the. This, I don't, you know, let's, I, I hate to hit, talk in these nebulous terms, but now that whatever forces are, are governing all of this stuff, now that everyone is looking at it and expecting her to get killed or to die in some freak accident, the storyline doesn't make, it, it, that storyline is too obvious now. Right. Now they got to throw us a curveball. Now the simulation, whatever's out there has to throw us a better story. I don't know how it's going to play out. I could be some the some revelations and taking down some important people, but maybe like a few sacrificial cows, like yeah. throwing it, throw out a couple. They're going to nail a couple, and then we'll save everybody else. Okay. Um, but I think it's too obvious that she dies. Who? I guess who else is out there that we don't know about? Is there anybody insider wise that you know who's out there that it's like, oh, that would be a shocker. I'll, t- I'll for example, I'll tell you one that has popped up. At a few dinner parties that I've been at, when I was just like, "What?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks was one. The Hanks thing is fucking weird, man. All right, the Hanks thing is not new. I've been hearing about this for a couple years. And okay, let me just frame this for you in terms of the people that I'm in touch with. Sure. Um, I have some very smart people who are deep in that corner of the internet. Yeah, and yeah. These yeah, are yeah, not yeah. kooks, man. These are, in fact, I'm. You know, uh, he'd probably be fine with me saying who it is, but I'm. But I didn't ask him, so I'm not going to. But if one friend of mine who is a successful writer and producer in Hollywood, who even created a show, which if you think hard about enough about it, you'll figure out which one it is, but is a show that documents something that was a conspiracy theory that ended up being true that's on a cable network right now. Okay. He's into this stuff. He's been telling me about Tom Hanks for years. I'm like, Tom Hanks? He's like, Tom Hanks, bro. He's like, all of them, satanic. And then he, every once in a while. So, uh, dude, at this fucking dinner party I was at, we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, on the show, uh, my wife and I, and I said, hey, Somebody at this fucking dinner, she was with me, but if somebody at this dinner was told me that like Colin Hanks has like these satanic, satanic uh, tattoos on each shoulder representing whatever fucking weird sex cult this is. Are you familiar with Chet Hanks? Yes, of okay. course. The rapper so, Chet yeah, Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of his work. Yeah, yeah. who cares? The man is an artist. Um, and I appreciate his art. A <laughs> little weird that, you know, your kids go Colin in one direction, Chet in the other direction. There were definitely more than a couple posts that, you know, I don't want to be thrown for a loop that, you know, because someone planted the seed in my mind, I'm looking for, I have a hammer and so I'm looking for a nail, yeah. but the, some of his posts, a little weird, a little weird, like showing like, if you, roll through like his Instagram, sock. if you roll through his Instagram, everybody has said, like, there's this, you know, Reddit conspiracy that we're like, man, it's each time he gets a kid that, that that's what those pictures are. Oh by the way, God. I have no idea. I don't, I definitely don't want to be sued by Tom Hanks. I have no idea if any of this is true. Yeah. This is just what I'm hearing. We're just talking about the conspiracy theory. We're not That's talking it. about, we are not speaking it's to truth. It's all a conspiracy at this yeah. point. Yeah. I have no idea, but it's super fascinating because I've, I've met him years and years ago. Mm-hmm. He was exactly like you hoped on television and him and his wife and all that shit. So I did not get any of those vibes from him. I was floored. 
when yeah. this this conversation went on for a good half hour at yeah. this dinner party, and I was like, no fucking way. Did they I mean, get my to Spielberg? Blown. Did they get to Spielberg? No, no, no. Of, they they, just, a lot of them talk about Spielberg too. Really? Uh, that Spiel, whatever the the, the accusation, not uh-huh. the truth. Whatever they, whatever they're uh, uh, claiming that Hanks is into, uh, that Spielberg's part of it too. Um, you know, they show some stuff that move all kid oriented movies, and I mean, a strange relationship with Drew Barrymore on ET. But like, I don't know. That could just be the usual. You know, you think about it. Like, all right, there's always if you're if you're in a business where you're you're dealing with children and you're having them act and be on screen, there's always going to be a couple things that if you looked at it might look a little weird. Sure. Um, you know, I don't quite. I, I don't write all of this off, but one thing I do kind of hear these people sometimes, these are smart people. Once again, these are smart, successful people. These mm-hmm. are not kooks. I've heard enough times since it's all coming down soon. It's all coming down. That's soon. what I keep hearing. And yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. hearing it's yeah. like, you know, something, if it's not coming, it hasn't come down yet. Okay. Yeah. And s- some stuff has been, um, has been incrementally released. But, you know, you guys are the boy who cried wolf, and, and I can't take you seriously at this point. I'm going to need more meat on the bone if I'm going to keep on listening to you here. Familiar with Isaac Cappy? No. Oh, man. Okay. Who's Isaac Cappy? Isaac Cappy is kind of like a D-list actor. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's like a D-list actor. Maybe three, four years ago, he starts going on some rants, some on-camera rants about all this stuff that he knows that, you know, it's like Macaulay Culkin's a child molester. Hanks, Spielberg, all the, all. It, who, I who else is in that crew that that would shock you? I'm trying to remember some. It was definitely Culkin. He said, um, definitely Hanks. Like Hanks was a no brainer. Another actor who's like, who is wasn't '90s child actor like Culkin. But listen, the content's out there. So if you want to go see who who Isaac Cappy, K A P P Y, okay, uh, was was talking about, go check it out. He ended up having a super strange episode and jumping off a bridge. It was like him running around a bridge freeway with the shirt off and maybe like a car was coming after him and he jumped to get away from the car. Yeah. It was all super fucking strange, bro. Um, and so, but the chatter around that, you know, died down afterwards. You've got the Corey Feld, which is another one, Corey Feldman thing, which is another one of these boys who cried wolf, who keeps on saying he sounds credible when he's talking about it in these anonymous vague terms, but then he, he keeps on saying, oh, the big reveal is coming, the big reveal is coming, and the big reveal never comes. It never comes, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, you know, listen, if I'm going to b- b- hold myself up to the standards I would hold somebody else up to, I'm not going to believe that at this point. Yeah, and he, in that documentary, I don't know what happened with it. It was supposed to be on pay-per-view, and then it wasn't on pay-per-view yeah. and all that other shit. So. And it, then, then some people say, well, he's controlled opposition. He's, they're programming him to ruin the credibility of the movement that's trying to reveal it. Um, I actually believe Corey Feldman. Like I, I do. I, oh, on some level, I absolutely believe him. I, I think during that period, especially the '80s, shit was wild. Anyways, yeah. Um, and him and all those guys, like, um, that's my best guess is, is most of that shit probably happened to him. Oh, and, and yeah. Corey Haim. Yeah, and I mean, they're always speculating on who you know molested Corey Haim on the set of Lucas, and then you know Charlie Sheen was right there. And I've Char- heard that story as well. I mean, you ever have you read the Lenny Dykstra Charlie Sheen expose? No. Oh, my God. Man, you're getting a lot of good stuff today. Yeah, Lenny Dykstra, all huh? right, the center right. fielder for the Phillies. Okay, yeah, so you, you know that Charlie Sheen was a baseball. Yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. baseball obsessive. He's, he's still a baseball for obsessive. For sure. Yeah. A lot of his friends were baseball players. You know mm-hmm. who his best friend was for a long time? Todd Zeal. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah Very close to Todd Cardinals. Zeal. Yeah. Um, and listen, there's a lot of... There, before the AIDS thing was revealed, there were a lot of rumors about Sheen, about you know videos with... With uh, dudes, with dudes, yeah. with transvestites. I've, I've talked about it on this show where, um, you know, uh, there was a friend of ours who owns a large porn company, mm-hmm. and I, I, we were in an airport, hungover, shit, flying back from Vegas, and I was yeah. like, "What are the what are the ones you get that you can't release?" And he goes, "Dude, the ones on Sheen are," and he goes, "Because you feel bad." It's him, like it was him, like smoking crack in bed with like other dudes and shit. And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, it's not even you can't release it because it's not even fun. Yeah, like you it's just, just feel sad. Dark. It's, it's a drug addict. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, and so Dykstra, you know, Dykstra has. Have you been following Dykstra's? Yeah. So he started uh, commercial real estate. Or uh, he was a uh, okay. So and for he me- made like a half a billion dollars allegedly. Oh, he claimed then, he did. Yeah. yeah he. 
uh, it, was it was fraud. A, it was all fraud, and then he went to prison. And he's one of those guys yeah. lying about everything. You know, living way. Uh, he away. was on sixty minutes. Do you remember sixty minutes? Oh yeah. And they were like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, one of the most successful athletes. Yeah, Stockbroker guru. I was like, oh look, Lenny Dykstra ended up having a real nose for the ball in the stock market. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I was mostly a fraud. I mean, if not all a fraud, I had people. I have friends locally who ended up meeting Dykstra because they were baseball players and like had Dykstra asking to borrow ten thousand dollars under shady circumstances. Like, yeah. The total fraud. Um, however, um, he was became friends with Sheen. And so they got into some, there's some beef between them. And Dykstra started talking to the Hollywood reporter. And he's like, you know, Sheen's problem is that he's ashamed that he's gay. And he's like, got all these, you know, he's got all these videos or all, seen all this stuff with him and men and transvestites. And it's a pretty revealing, I mean, once again, it's all Dykstra's claims. But you're like, holy shit, if this is true, like some wild stuff about sheen right um so highly recommend you'll you check that piece out um if you want to go going back to epstein um yeah i mean you've got the Corey feldman thing and and what he's talking about another thing that you may not that that people who aren't in la may be unaware of that once again is a little suspicious but i have no conclusions about it um are you familiar with a guy named steve bing yes okay Uh, he just recently killed himself he did or at least that's the claim allegedly right that's the claim um, this one kind jumped of, off of a 27th uh, story. Okay, so this building, it's called the 10,000 building. Condo, I've it's, been there. Yeah. It, I, I've been there for a meeting and like... <sighs> it's noted as the central hub of the kind of shady older single dudes with money. Right. Like it's, it's like, there's a hall of fame. Yeah, over yeah, there. yeah, yeah It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine who, who lives there, he actually had a photo of a dead, a dead body at the time. I'm like, holy shit, that's gnarly. And then later in the day when it was revealed as Bing, I like lost my shit. Right. Because, like, I was okay. So, here's I never knew Bing. However, when I was in high school, I remember reading about this guy. He's like, oh, he's older. You know, he, I, he was probably his late 30s at the time. I was in my late teens. Um, older, tru- you know, uh, uh, had money, you know, inherited a lot of monies around dating all these models. Elizabeth impregnated Elizabeth Hurley. Oh, man, that guy lives the life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then, and then he I, denied it. Was that? He denied that he, it was his kid. It was his kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. It's Elizabeth Hurley. Like, hey, I was like, I'd get the shirt made. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then uh, I I, I tiptoed around to be my nose. I became friendly with some people who knew him. Everyone spoke the world of him. Everyone said that, you know, some of these other guys, like, we know that they're, you know, we know that they're a little shady. Um, But this guy, everyone said, was a super nice guy. Um, And, you know, uh, I was actually supposed to meet him towards the end of March for right. some friends. Not that they arranged a play date between me and Bing, but like you were supposed to go to the thing. He was supposed to be there. Um, and, you know, he was a big Democratic donor. Yeah. Definitely in with Bill Clinton, with Ron Burkle, mm-hmm. um, part of it. But there were never any, once again, no, no one had a bad word to say about this guy. No one was ever accusing him of sleeping with 14-year-old girls. Sure. But he was friends with some people who dived in, you know, people are accusing that of. Yeah. Um, and then he, um, within the last month jumps from this building and kills himself. And people are wondering like, yeah, he's, he was maybe one of those guys who ran the clock out on being single a little too long and got super, super lonely. And someone who lives at his building told me that he had been acting very strange the last month before his death, asking people to call him Mr. Black. Ah, yeah. And why? I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. And then, uh. Uh, another person I knew who knew him said, I don't think I buy this. He was such a private guy. If he was going to kill himself, there's no way he'd do it in a public way like that. It makes sense because, look, I, I've been in that building before. Ironically, it was for, uh, to finance a movie. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a rather large check. And it was great. It was from a woman, by the way. But mm-hmm. um, uh, either way, when you go there, um, if you jump off that fucking thing, you're right. It is very public. Sure. You were out in front of everyone oh, at yeah. that point. Like, yep. I'm surprised there wasn't more pictures floating around because as soon as he hit the ground, people would have come out. Like, yeah. It makes a body makes that loud of a noise, especially when it's crazy. Curled off a fucking building. Yeah. Um, so that whole thing seems strange to me. And back in the day, he used to throw these parties mm-hmm. um, that were massive and he used to find, he, look, he financed a ton of movies and everything else. Yeah. Huge donor to the Clintons. Um, I don't know what's coming out or could possibly come out, but between that happening recently and then the judge yesterday in the Ghislaine case, who mm. um, well, it was not really the Ghislaine case though. I mean, it's well, like the Epstein. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a it's a civil suit around um, you know, 
a Citibank, I believe it was Deutsche not, Bank. Deutsche Bank yep. not uh, not disclosing some relationship with Epstein. So it was tangentially related. And then, I mean, it turns out that you know this one might be a red herring because the the, mur- the murder what was his name like Roy Don Victor. Uh, it was the judge's husband and the kid, right? Yeah, but okay. The, the, the killer's name was Roy Den Hollander, and it turns out that this guy's some like super loon who's been ranting on the internet for ten years and writes all, uh, filing. Oh, all so these... they caught him. They didn't call. He killed oh, they himself. got the guy. Oh, he killed himself. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear that yet. Oh, yeah. You gotta stay on top of this stuff, baby. Well, shit. Yeah. Well, that story just broke what two days ago. So when, yeah, when did he kill yeah, himself yeah, last that, night? Okay, he killed himself the day before. It was uh, yeah, within the last day or two. And it turns out is a guy named Roy Den Hollander, who's kind of one of these men's rights lunatics who's just ranting and filing lawsuits, civil rights lawsuits that are frivolous and get thrown out of court every fifteen minutes. Dude's like seven. He was like fifty-seven. Oh shit! Strange, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he had some beef with this judge over some feminist. He had ranted about this judge before got some, it, got it, got some it. you know, men's rights issue. So this one might be another strange simulation coincidence. Um, but it's, it's the second fu- time you've mentioned simulation. You think we're living in, in a sim world? Man, uh, it certainly seems like it. <laughs> it's certainly... I've had this conversation with my, my wife numerous times. Uh-huh. We had a guy on the show uh, who wrote the simulation hypothesis. His name was R- Rizwan Burke. And um, we had him on the show, and we talked about it. Is he made huge headlines for saying that there's a, he's an MIT professor, yeah. respected guy, and he said, look, man, there's a 70% chance, in my opinion, that this is a, a sim world that we're living in. Oof. Day by day, it keeps seeming... I'm willing to entertain anything. I'm sure. not all in on the sim world, uh-huh. but I'm also saying I'm not, I'm not against it either because at this point, with this virus and all this shit, it almost seems like, hey, man... What, what else could we put out there and see if people actually freaked out in this video game? It, pretty much. Pretty much. You know, someone posed an interesting question. What are the chances you think that the most impactful variable in the 2020 election has even happened yet? I would say, because we gamble a lot here. Uh, MyBookie.com, <laughs> promo code DRINKINGBROS will double your deposit. Um, I would say 5%. I'm going to say it's 5%. It's so low. That I think we're not even close mm-hmm. to the crazy shit that's going to happen over yeah. the course of the next three and a half months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, you know, who knows what's going to happen. 5% is, is even being generous for me where I'm like, <laughs> eh, maybe this is it. Um, but I don't think so. Yeah. Like, it just the, doesn't feel like it. What's supposed to happen with debates? Yeah. Like, what's supposed to like, these these uh, uh, they're going to cart people out or like. I don't know. Someone have a heart attack or in the middle of one. I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Is there something you've heard? Uh, no. However, my fr- a couple of friends of mine who are some older Hollywood guys who've been there and done that and seen mm-hmm. this and seen that. I right before one of the reasons I was a little more not shocked by the coronavirus. I, we had breakfast in February, and we're sitting there, and they start speculating on stuff like, "Oh yeah, you know, this will have who knows? Maybe Trump will you know have a heart attack during the debate or this or that mm-hmm. or whatnot." And and I'm like, "You really think this?" And it's like. We don't know that this is going to happen, but we know something's going to happen because there's no way that this phase of American life just casually strolls into the next one. There's no, no. way. Yeah. There's no. Like, this was February once again, so a lot we hadn't seen yet. But I'm like, you, you want there's 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 no way that we just have a nice normal election. Trump, you know, you know, neatly beats Biden, and he just runs out the next four years, and you know, and then whatever comes after MAGA comes after MAGA. There's no way that was happening. Sure. And look what happened. Didn't happen. Yeah, so the predictions I made a long time ago um, on this show, and I've been pretty goddamn good about it. We had Sean Spicer on uh, Drinking Bros as well, and we mm-hmm. talked to him about the upcoming election. So my prediction a long time ago, like seven months ago, was this. I said that uh, the day that Biden is supposed to give his speech for the Democratic Convention, I think Trump is going to swap out uh, Pence with Nikki Haley um, because he's not getting the white uh, mom vote in the suburbs. Um, if he's looking at the polls, I know that's super left field, um, but uh, uh, it wouldn't matter to a lot of people if Pence was out of there. Guy's kind of been invisible anyways. Um, yeah. And, and it just doesn't matter. And he can also say he put the first woman in there because Biden, that was Biden's thing, right? I'm going to, no matter what, I'm going to put a woman in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also said Biden was going to pick Elizabeth Warren back in the day. Um, and everybody else is leaning towards Kamala Harris. I still think it holds true for Elizabeth Warren, and I went all in. My, my bookie allows you to bet on it. 
Okay. So their max bet was 500, and I went for it. Okay. Um, it, it was, I think, 15 to 1 odds. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a massive payday. Sure. If so, but I just don't think Kamala Harris is likable enough. You live in LA. Um, yeah. You know her in California. Yeah. Also, what she did to, to young black men as far as imprisoning them regarding like marijuana charges and all this other shit, like, you, already, you also already have California unlocked. So it doesn't matter, anyways. And I don't know who else is out there. The mayor of Atlanta, uh, that there, Tammy du- Duckworth is starting to come up. Val Demings is a, near, is a name you'll hear a lot. Right. I forget which, what, where, what territories from. Val Demings, I've been here tiptoeing around. Um, so keep, your, keep an eye on her. Um, Kamala's weird, right? It's, it's kind of a mind fuck because she's a prosecutor in Oakland in, in Northern California, which is tech generally super liberal and, you know, you know, progressive oriented. However, in that era, it still was, uh, an approach towards law enforcement and prosecution that in the current environment is considered taboo. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, she's the, the Oakland progressive prosecutor, but um, but her past is checkered because of what she did with, you know, what she did in her position as prosecutor. Um, it's strange. It's, it's tough. And, you know, I, she didn't turn out to be a great campaigner. I mean, let's no. be honest, her, her campaign and Warren's two fucking embarrassments. They both face planted. Warren, I think, found something that worked for a minute and then it just plummeted. Um, so I don't know. It's like, do these, does he really want to choose one of these two women who have shown themselves not to be that popular or does he want to just choose the safest bet possible that fits the demographic, uh, uh, promise that he made and just kind of chills and doesn't carry the baggage that these two women who face planted on the national stage carry. Um, I'm leaning more towards him doing that. Okay. So who, who you got in that one? It's either Demings, Duckworth, or the Atlanta mayor. One of those, th- one of those three. Oh, that's uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that'd be tough. Um, I don't think she has enough of anything yet. She well, would, I look, don't either, she but here's the thing. The, coronavirus. the guy boxed himself in. He already said he had to do it. There's only so many choices. But he didn't say a woman of color yet. So. He's been kind of tiptoeing. Look, I agree with you. Yeah, if he doesn't, yeah, he, yeah. I think he's fucked. But I think he's... I don't know if he's fucked. Anyways, do you believe any of these polls that are um, out there? I believe enough of them because it's not just about believing the polls. It's also about believing the direction of the polls. So, like, if, you know, if four months ago they're telling me Trump is down by five, okay, I can factor in my margin of error. But if Trump goes down five to down 11, I'm like, okay, maybe it wasn't that pronounced of a shift, mm-hmm. but I do believe that's the direction it went. So, you, do you think Biden's going to win? Gun to my head, yes. But I... Wow. I do not think it's over by any stretch. If it was today, he would win. Maybe. Uh, it's, it's strange. His strategy throughout this entire process, if you want to call it a strategy, because I don't know if it is or isn't. About, no, I, I, about I, I, hiding, I'll tell you exactly. About hiding and not going on camera whatsoever. It, it could be because of the dimension is people are saying, hey, man, let Trump shoot himself in the foot with all this shit. And then, Absolutely, that's what it is. And that's it, and, and keep hiding. Or, hey, man, we definitely don't want you on camera because you're making too many gaffes. It's, I mean, listen, it's both, clearly, but, I mean, they both synchronize, right? Both of those, those, that approach. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, everyone wants to just ignore that Joe Biden destroyed everyone in the Democratic primary. Everyone wants to, like, just pretend that, that this is just some coincidence that's happening. But he if he could- didn't get bought out... Essentially, because look, they bought out Buttigieg. Um, what? But he was beating all of them. He was not beating Bernie Sanders. Yes, he was. Bernie he Sanders would have. Bernie Sanders would have won the. Absolutely not. It was what already four are, states to one. Where are you getting one. this from? It was already so. It was it was four zero Bernie Sanders. No, no, yeah, it was yeah. It was because Buttigieg won a state. I'm no, sorry. Yeah, it was. There was only four states, and like there were already ones that he knew that he that that uh, Sanders knew he had to win because there were states that he was already up in. Whoa, I gotta send you some stuff on this. No, no. Joe Biden. All of them dropped them out before the. But that doesn't matter. He crushed them. He no, was there, there. before Super Tuesday, they got out. Buttigieg, he, Klobuchar. Yes, you know why? Because oh. they couldn't win. They couldn't beat him. Right, but all of those votes would have been divided, and Bernie Sanders still would have had the delegate lead. No, it doesn't matter. Like looking at what happened when it went head to head, he destroyed him. But it it to get to head to head was the only way that he could but, possibly win. But it doesn't win. matter. But that that's a, that, that what happened head to head is a reflection of where the voters were at. But. That's what the Democratic Party decided as a, as a team know. saying, hey, man, we definitely don't want Bernie in there because this is, this is the way this is headed. But that's, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. When it was put, 
here are all the voters. Here are their two choices. More of them went to Joe Biden. But it should have been wide that? open of like, hey, man. Because, look, they were who? all pulling votes pretty, but says, pretty says, equally. But says who that there needs to be six choices? There were two choices and more, a whole lot more people voted for Biden. Because the Democratic Party made it that but way. But who cares? It doesn't matter. It, they, they present the choices and the voters choose. That early in the primary, it's never been just down to two that early. Okay, it's, it, it, first of all, it was back in the day, just not in the last couple cycles. But I don't see what the, what, where there's this thing that you have to have six, seven choices. There you don't, two, but they okay. eliminated it real quick so that to make sure that you didn't yeah, have any choices. Of whatsoever. course, what, what, uh, this happens all the time in towards uh, in terms of people who know they're not going to win consolidating votes. Typically, towards the end, not towards the beginning. Fair enough. This was more a more, a more high uh, volatile, you know, highly charged election. But regardless, like at some point, people have to think like maybe Joe Biden's handlers, because obviously it's his handlers. Maybe they're not that dumb. Maybe they know what they're doing in you know this weekend of Bernie's thing. Because I'll tell you. His now, Twitter, his Twitter now. feed, his Twitter feed is exactly what I told. Uh, if, I was saying, if you're a Democrat and you want to defeat Donald Trump, mm-hmm. this is what you do: stop shrieking like freaking idiots about white nationalism and this and that and fascism and all this, and stop being resistance freaking two year olds. Just say calmly, "This is why Donald Trump's bad at the job of being president. Here's why we will be better." And that's Joe Biden's Twitter. That's his Twitter approach right now. None of this, not, not resistance, crazy emotionally. It's just like, you know, here, here's what's going on. It's very calm. It's very playing it safe. And I'm sorry, it's definitely working. Whether or not he wins, it's definitely working better than the alternative would be working. Because the, uh, the people who took the alternative approach all fucked up, okay? I think Bernie would have won, actually. Won and what? I think Bernie was built for a moment like this. With, with what's going on, I think I'm, he would have been in the streets protesting. I, I am with going to see. I am going to set. I'm going to send you a very well documented piece, and this is done by a Bernie Sanders supporter named Michael Tracy, who's a. I, he's nobody talks shit on the internet better than this guy. He's a Bernie Sanders supporter, and he will run down all the ways in which Bernie Sanders, based on pure performance, did not reach uh, his potential or the expectations this year, both in terms of white uh, blue collar workers in the Midwest, in terms of the youth vote and the youth turnout. And that all the excuse that he believes, and this once again, Bernie Sanders supporter, in the all the excuses that were made in 2016 for him cannot be made this year, and Biden simply beat him. Poof. Uh, that one I, I, I got to disagree on. Again, I, okay. go back to Super Tuesday. Everybody dropped out on Sunday night for a reason. Like They were all forced out, and uh, they're all going to get cabinet positions if he wins. Um, do you think he does win in November? And Joe are Biden? you are you voting for him? I'm not. I don't. I'm. I'm not voting. And I luckily I live in California, so it doesn't matter. Um, I, I know what the. Direction, Why don't you vote? What the fuck am I gonna do, California? I know where which direction it's going. I don't feel good about either. I don't feel good about either side. You know, Trump. I mean, I could sit here for the next hour and a half and roll out my you know multi dimensional thoughts on Donald Trump, but. Um, there's some things that he's done that in the, you know, his personal conduct is not something that I feel comfortable really supporting Joe Biden. Um, I think is pretty much just like a, a Trojan as Pence described a Trojan horse for woke nonsense. And that, you know, while if he, if Joe Biden governed the country as his Twitter feed reflects right Mm -hmm. now, I could live with it. I just don't think that would happen. I think that he's pretty much going to put a, he's going to throw a bunch of bones to, you know, super left-wing radical uh, uh, senators and Congress people in his cabinet, and they're just going to steamroll him. Um, and so I don't really feel at home with either option. Um, so I mean, listen, maybe I will vote. Maybe something's going to change over the next four months. But and what? I, once again, one, neither direction that I vote is going to matter in California. Mm-hmm. And two, I don't feel good about. I, I'm politically homeless. Gotcha. I'm politi- I, I am a member of the politically homeless right now. Well, this perfect state to to be homeless. In. <laughs> it's it's uh, you'll have a lot. You'll you'll misery loves company. Yeah, uh, Matt Belinsky, you're a fascinating guy, man, and I Thanks, enjoy bro. your feed. A mutual friend of ours uh, was the one the the one who turned me on to you. You seem to have a lot of insider information on Hollywood and politics uh, before others are getting it. Tell everybody where they can find you out on social media. Um, for sure, uh, Twitter, Instagram is just Matt Belinsky. That's M A T T B I L. I-N-S-K-Y. 
um, where most of my content is. Um, also, I've been doing a series of interviews that thus far have been um, on Instagram Live initially, but then translated to YouTube. Um, my YouTube channel. Damn, did I get that custom URL yet? Um, if you go YouTube search yeah. Belinsky News Network, just to describe it, I've been sitting around trying to figure out a name for a podcast for about seven BNN. years. I've and got then, the name for you, by yeah. the way. Do you? Okay. okay. I, I think it should be called the Belinsky Blitz. The Belinsky Blitz. I talked to Xander about it, and I think because of what you do, um, and, and how good at you are in finding these, these niche stories before everybody else does. I think if you went Monday through Friday and did about a 35-minute podcast blasting through the stories in a real fashion in the same way that Nikki Fink used to do at, at, at Deadline, it would be endlessly fascinating. And the Penske Group owns now Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, and Variety. So uh-huh. they're not going to have any fresh original voices. I think that could be your space. Okay. Because it seems like you're not afraid to jump into certain celebrities Definitely and topics not. and everything else. Therefore, that is a niche that needs to be filled right now. Okay. And that is my recommendation to you. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, I'm definitely, <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just getting started on the strategy thing. So uh, uh, someone who's, who's done it and, 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 you know, filled that space and succeeded at it, lo- love your and appreciate your input. And, you know, yeah. look forward to seeing I'm where we can take you, man, it. I, I think it would crush. I think uh, it would crush. All right. Let's put uh, the For plan. Matt Belinsky, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the revolution. Subscribe uh, to YouTube. Uh, we're under the Drinking Bros podcast uh, network in there. All of our media shows are as well. And go to iTunes and give us a five star and a quick review. It helps scoot us on up the charts. Uh, we will be back with Jesse Wiseman tomorrow, assuming she is alive, uh, live from Hollywood. Good afternoon, everyone. Ah.